say, Lord. Amen. Well, thank you for having me. Um, it's a real privilege to be here. And when uh, you know, Johnny's talking about gratitude, um, my wife and I are so incredibly grateful um, for you as a church. We've been, um, well, I in particular have been shamelessly stalking um, you on every form of social media um, since um, you landed over 12 months ago. And uh, there was a, there's actually a few moments where I was walking down uh, the high street in Twickenham where we live, um, weeping on the basis of what the Lord was doing in amongst you. So I'm grateful to the Lord for what he's doing in this place. I'm grateful for my friendship with Johnny and Amy and the ways the Lord is using them. Um, you're really blessed to have them as your pastors, as I am as a friend. And uh, so I'm going to continue to stalk you, really, um, <laughs> because you're very, very encouraging. Do you know, even arriving an hour and a half before I got here, you know, before the service began, there was an absolute buzz. I, like, you are such an encouraging church. You're all kind of chipping in and you're committed to what's going on here. And uh, this vision of seeing the church on fire and the city alive is so possible with people that are so surrendered to God and, be, and open to being used by him. So please continue to encourage me um, if that, that will continue to inspire you to keep doing what you're doing. I'm so grateful to be here. I, this, this passage um, today uh, is one that I've been thinking about a lot recently, um, Matthew 28. And it's one where um, I... I kind of read it and I feel all sorts of things, um, overwhelmed, excited, the beautiful words by Jesus. Um, and the thing that strikes me when I read them in Matthew 28, um, firstly, it reminds me um, that we're not just saved um, from something, but we're saved for something. We read in this passage um, the church's purpose, a Christian's purpose. We aren't merely saved from sin. That is, and that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, we are saved for the sake of the world. Jesus says that we have a purpose in the world. And I think the vision that we have, uh, we have, I'm, I'm already with you, um, <laughs> at Trinity Church is, is an incredible one where you are saved for something. Jesus is commissioning you for something. And it's an incredible commission too where um, for the disciples their minds would have been absolutely blown because um, initially this faith thing was something you were born into um, and in, when Jesus talks about all this, this commission, this good news being for all people, it's being blown out from not something that you were born into but something that God adopts you into. We are suddenly a part of a family. Um, and so we read in these, these verses here that, that we, have set, we have been saved for something. Jesus has, has saved us for something. And that this thing, this commission, um, this good news, this life that's on offer in Jesus is for everyone. And so we get to be carriers of the good news of Jesus Christ. And that good news is so good news. You know, my, my daughter, she's She's four. You learn so much from your children, I think. Um, lots of, you learn terrible things about yourself. It reveals um, <laughs> how sinful you are. Um, but it all, they, they teach you incredible things. And my daughter, she had, um, she had hearing problems for quite a while. And it turns out she had glue ear. And so we, you know, our conversations were always, um, well, she sometimes found it difficult to follow on with our conversations and um, she got grommets in about 10 weeks ago and our conversation has, has hit a new depth. It's incredible. She's asking me questions about, you know, 
um, you know, where's Jesus? And I'm like, well, he's, he's in your heart and he's here and he's around. Wow, where's heaven? And I'm like, oh, gosh, that's difficult geography for a four-year-old. And, um, and I said, so, and she said, you know, Jesus is in my heart. Um, she said this to us while on, on holidays a little while ago. I was like, oh, well, that's amazing. And uh, I said, Did, does Jesus ever talk to you? Does he, ever, does he ever say anything to you? And she went, shh. And I went, oh, okay. And we just waited for a little moment. And then she said to me, Jesus wants you to know he loves you. And uh, it's one of those moments, right, where you're like, oh, gosh, I really needed to hear that. And uh, this is what we carry around the reality that we're loved by God. It is a simple, profound, life-changing reality that we are loved by God, something that my little daughter knew and was able to tell me. And in some ways, she was acting up out this great commission that Jesus gives, that we have the great privilege to be able to tell the world that they are loved by God. They are loved by God. I'm struck by two things when I look at this passage. And if you've got a Bible, I'm going to try and park in, uh, in Matthew and then go into Acts a tiny bit. But I'm struck by two things when it comes to this passage. And it's something I've been wrestling with and actually encouraged by for quite a long time. So the first thing is that I'm struck by the sender who is Jesus, who says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, so go. We are sent by God himself, and he will be with us. You know, I, my little brother used to try and tell me what to do all the time. And I would not listen to him at all because he was annoying. And every now and again, he would come with a message from mum. And that changed everything, actually. <laughs> and uh, we, in, 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 not exactly the same way, but we come sent with the authority of God. And the second thing that strikes me is about those people who are being sent, the disciples. Um, the disciples are described in Acts 4 as ordinary, unschooled people. Um, they are deeply unimpressive, actually, if you read through how they carried themselves out in the Gospels. Um, they were a collection of fishermen and tax collectors. They were people that fled when times got hard. They were, they, they were pursuing all sorts of power, um, you know, and they denied Jesus, and he must have been very frustrated with this group of people. And even in this passage, you'll read um, in verse uh, 17, but when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You know, even in, in the midst of seeing the, re the risen Jesus Christ, they were still like, oh, I cannot get my head around this. This is all just a little bit too hard. I don't quite understand what was going on. And if I'm honest, if I was Jesus, and it's a really good thing I'm not, um, because I, I, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have died. Um, but if I was Jesus, I think I would have chosen a different group of people to act out this great commission. I think I would have chosen um, the influencers, um, those who were really, really well networked, who are excellent at strategy. Um, I would have picked people with financial resources um, for days. And I would have picked people that were like crazy holy, who were up for praying all the time and reading the Bible and kneeling and stuff. And I, I, if, I was, if I was Jesus, they're the people I picked, but it's not the people he picked. And I wonder, actually, when the disciples were gathered around him and Jesus um, was saying to them, you need to go and do this, I wonder if they felt themselves like, gosh, I, I think you've got this wrong. We aren't 
those people that are able to do these kinds of things. And there, there are two reasons why I think they might have felt this. Um, firstly, Jesus said to them to go into all nations. Now, each of these guys were Galileans and they'd never left that area before. They weren't well-traveled. So the idea of travel would have been, um, would cause all sorts of anxiety. Like, well, what, how, how do we do that? What does that look like? And then secondly, um, he said to go and teach them. And they only spoke Aramaic. So how are they supposed to go into all of the nations and teach people about Jesus? Because they wouldn't understand. And so straight away, they'd be like, we, we can't do this. You've got the wrong people. We aren't the people that can carry the good news of Jesus Christ and the kingdom into the world. I wonder if you ever feel like that. I feel like that a lot. That I, you know, the, the fact that Jesus would send me um, you know, and Johnny said, you know, Dizzy and I have been, we feel that God calling us to move to Feltham to plant a church. And um, if, if you know London at all, it's kind of right near Heathrow. Uh, it's a very different context from the context we find ourselves in. There's absolutely nothing there. Um, and there have been multiple times over the past 12 months as we prayed this through where I've said to the Lord, you've got the wrong people. We I'm not sure we have the gifts or the skills for this um, at all. I feel it, and I wonder if you feel it too sometimes. So the disciples, I imagine, would have been feeling like this, and then um, he, he gives them one piece of comfort when he says um, that surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. And I think he, they would have heard that and thought, do you know what, these areas of lack that don't matter because Jesus is with us. Jesus' presence clearly gave them confidence that anything was possible. And so they would have taken solace from the fact that it doesn't matter that I can't speak or I've never traveled. If Jesus is with me, I'm fine. Jesus does amazing things. And so they would have been like, okay, sweet, we're good, maybe. Jesus with us so we're all fine but let's turn to Acts chapter 1 and find out what happens straight away in Acts chapter 1 it's really encouraging Um, it's this in verse um, 9 Acts 1 verse 9 after he said this he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight Jesus left can you imagine how they would have felt he gives them this commission he says I'm going to be with you and they're like okay well maybe I can do it then and then he disappears and they're like if I was them, we're like, well, okay, we're back to square one. We can't do this. This is an impossible task. And then in Acts chapter 1, um, in verse 4, um, it says this. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So Jesus says, wait, wait. I'm naturally an activist. I like to go and do things really quickly and wait later. But Jesus says, wait. Just wait a moment. And then in verse 8, he says this, and this is quite a famous verse, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said um, in John's gospel um, that it was to the disciples' advantage um, that, that he leaves um, because this gift was coming. I'm not sure the disciples understood what that meant because they were used to Jesus being with them, um, but praise God, they waited. And Jesus says to them in verse 8, 
that they will be um, God's witnesses. The power will come upon them by the Holy Spirit and they will be the witnesses. He's reinforcing this commission that they will be his witnesses. And he uses uh, four places. He says, you'll be uh, my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is here. Um, would have been the, the familiar place for them. Um, Judea, um, the, the Israelites kind of broken into two kingdoms. So that was the other kingdom. So here and there, you'll be my witnesses here and there. And then Samaria, which was like people that they really didn't like. Um, so they'd be like here, there, and even over there, and then everywhere. Um, and so it's like this amazing kind of commission to say, where you're going to be my witnesses is here, there, even in those places you don't like, and everywhere. And I'm sure they would have still been like, no, I, I'm just, I can't see it. I can't see it. And so at the, at the, the end of Acts chapter 1, this is how I feel like I would feel and potentially how the disciples felt. Um, firstly, um, the, they would have been a bunch of guys who felt they were completely inadequate, can't speak the language, um, can't travel, don't feel like they've got the skills or the tools to be able to do it. They feel inadequate. Um, they would feel overwhelmed. If you look at the Great Commission that says to go into all nations, it's a big vision, it's a big commission. They would feel overwhelmed. Um, they would feel slightly confused um, because there's, there's a paradigm sh- a shift in the Great Commission, one from where, you know, it was the, the good news of Jesus, well, you know, the, the blessing of God was um, for God's chosen people, the Jewish people, and then um, this commission kind of blows that open and invites all people. So it's quite a confusing, radical kind of commission that, well, everyone is invited into this. And then lastly, they would feel abandoned. He's left us. And so my my feeling, if I suppose if I was one of the disciples, I'd be feeling inadequate, I'd be feeling overwhelmed, confused, and I would be feeling abandoned. And Jesus says, now wait, in the midst of that, wait, the gift is coming. And the track record for the disciples so far is when when life got hard, they, they fled. But praise God, they waited. They waited in that upper room and waited for that gift that Jesus was talking about. And then we get into Acts chapter 2. Are you still with me? Good. I'm still with me too. Um, So at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, and forgive me for uh, speaking on this passage. You probably heard it two weeks ago at Pentecost. But I think it's a very useful passage to continue to come back to um, because without the power of the Holy Spirit, without remembering this moment in history when God poured out his Spirit, um, without the Spirit at work and living inside of us, then our only reality will be a feeling of inadequacy, feeling overwhelmed, confused and abandoned. This moment in history is so significant for us as a church. Um, It's the moment that everything changes and that things explode. And so when we read um, Acts chapter 2, we see that this is a total game changer. Now what's happening in Jerusalem at this moment is is a festival. It's called the Festival of the Weeks. And during that festival, um, Jews from every nation, it says in verse 4, came to Jerusalem um, for this festival. And and the festival celebrated two things, really. It it celebrated um, the, the kind of the... The grain harvesting, it was the beginning of the time of the sowing the seeds, and so they celebrated that, but it also had historical significance where they celebrated the anniversary when the law was given to the Israelites. 
So they gathered together to celebrate, um, give thanks to God um, for all that he had done in providing them with the, the tools they needed to be able to sow the grain, but also to thank them for the law that had been given to them on Mount Sinai. Um, and there's a whole bunch of significance um, that, that we could go into there. But the one thing I'd love you to focus on here is that um, it says in verse, sorry, in verse 5 that there were Jews from every nation gathered unto heaven um, in Jerusalem at this festival. And if you look at the list, it's actually more than this Jews, all Jews um, from every nation under heaven. It was a massive crowd of people um, all there. The disciples are there and waiting. And this is when we see the Holy Spirit is poured out in power um, upon the disciples, and the most remarkable things start to happen. Um, in Acts 2 verse 4, all the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak. And if you remember in, in Matthew 28, I was like, well, these guys would have been so anxious about the fact that they only spoke one language. But when it comes to this moment of the Holy Spirit coming, they begin to speak in other languages. Their area of lack the point of lack in their lives, the language, the, the words that they spoke by the power of the Holy Spirit, they are given the words to be able to say what needs to be said. And the fact um, also that all nations were there, Jesus said, go into all nations. God brought all the nations to Jerusalem in that moment. And so their two, their, their two concerns, as I see it, would be um, they, they're not sure about the whole travel thing. They're not sure about the whole language thing. And in this moment in history, God says travel is not the problem. I've brought them to you. Language isn't the problem because I have enabled you right now to be able to speak to these people. And then you read as, as the, the confusion of the crowd, they're like, they're declaring the wonders of God in our own language in a way that that was tailored and specific for them it would have been an unbelievable moment and these Galileans who I'm sure would have disqualified themselves from the great commission saw God work in the most profound way through them and then then Peter he stands up and he and he preaches that wonderful sermon and he says, he's quoting Joel, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will see dreams. Your old men will dream dreams, um, even on my servants. Both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Just a couple of, uh, couple of days back, um, I was uh, speaking at a... Um, uh, what's it called? It's called Monday Lunch Club, and it's a, a place where a bunch of the seniors in our church come together um, to have communion, and they'd asked me to preach. And uh, they're a wonderful, faithful bunch of people, uh, and uh, they're so kind. They knit me things, um, which is so nice. Um, I have so many knitted goods from that group. And, um, and I, this little this little sermon that Peter preaches here about the Spirit being poured out on all people. Um, it, there was a moment in our little service together where we shared communion. And I just felt the Lord very clearly say to me, I want to pour out my gifts to these people. And I wonder if some of those, those people in that room, um, as seniors, would have thought, you know, I'm past it. Um, you know, my lack is my age. 
um, that you know, God would never use me or never fill me with his spirit or maybe never give me the gifts. And, um, and I just felt rare, very clearly in that moment, I need to pray that God would pour out the gift of tongues, actually. Um, and uh, I just described it really quickly, um, you know, as a, as a gift that God gives us to be able to express uh, the inexpressible. Um, it is our spirit connecting with God in a way um, that enables us to express what the English language leaves us unable to express. And, uh, and so I explained that to them, and, like, and I said, if there's anyone here that would like that, that gift, let's, let's have a go and see what happens. And I was absolutely amazed um, and thankful, really, to God that at that moment he started to pour out his spirit and give out that gift um, to those people in the room. It was amazing. And I'm sure for them, their, 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 their thing, their lack that they would have felt was their age. And I guess we all kind of come to the Lord and we know his call in our lives and we focus in on the lack but if you're someone here like the disciples and you feel inadequate, then you can take comfort from the Holy Spirit when God pours out his power and enables what seems impossible in and through you. If you feel overwhelmed, then you can take comfort from the fact again that his power runs through you. If you feel confused, he even gives you the words. If you feel abandoned, God's presence is with you. Is longing to fill you. None of the disciples' apparent lack thwarted the purposes of God in their lives. And suddenly I wonder if faith started to grow for the disciples. You know, the same faith that would have felt, well, if Jesus is with me, then the lack doesn't matter because I'm confident that anything is possible. And the same thing here, I believe, is as, as they realized again that God's spirit was with them, their lack didn't matter. Because again, anything is possible when the spirit is with you. And I'm actually really grateful when I look at the story of the disciples. And, you know, in our life group back at home, we've been looking at the story of Jacob. And uh, he's just a really deeply in, in, unimpressive person. I don't know if you know that. I, I always, like, idolized Jacob in the Old Testament. thought he was so cool. And then I read it, I was like, oh, I'm really disappointed by you, Jacob. And, and then Paul, you know, he, he's like the guy who's almost celebrated his lack, his weaknesses. You know, he says um, in 2 Corinthians that God's power is made perfect in weakness. And then in Corinthians 2 verse 4, he says that the all-surpassing power that's at work through him is from God and not from us. He, he is someone that doesn't want to hide his lack or his weaknesses. He's saying, do you know what? There's something about admitting that I am weak and I need God that releases the power of God in a way that it wouldn't happen if we were kind of shut off to it, pretending that we've got it all together. And if I was just to wrap up really quickly, this, this is the point that I'm, I'm hoping that I'm conveying um, through this passage, um, is that if God can use these disciples to carry out the Great Commission, then he can use you. He can use me. You don't need to try and fake that you've got it all together. I do this and have done this a lot. I kind of, I know how to look like a Christian. 
you know, it's all about putting your hands together like this at the appropriate times and praying the right prayers and saying the right things. I know how to do that. In fact, our culture um, increasingly is encouraging all of us really to put on a facade through social media and all that sort of stuff. But the encouragement here is that we don't need to do that. God wants you to come as you are. And be, be real with the fact that there is lack and you do sometimes feel inadequate, but allowing God to fill you in that place. You don't need to wait. It might be that you're, you're here and you think, I, I need to wait until I've got it all together. You know, you know, in the future, God will use me. But right now, um, he won't because there's lots of areas where things aren't good and all that sort of stuff. God will use you now. He really will. And also, I think there's something very freeing about this story in Acts um, it's one where the disciples didn't have to force themselves to go and carry out the Great Commission. It was kind of ex- exploded out of them by the Holy Spirit. They weren't burdened. It was a joy. Um, it wasn't something that they tried to beat. They had to beat their bodies about. It was something that they couldn't help but talk about the thing that they knew about Jesus Christ. It's amazing. He invites us today to come as we are. Be honest about the areas where we feel that we lack. And as we surrender ourselves um, to him and his purposes and allow him to fill us with the Holy Spirit, then anything is possible. And I believe that God, in his grace, is here even now. And his Holy Spirit is hovering in this room, felt it as we were worshiping, looking to fill you, to fill his people, to fill Trinity Church, Nottingham, with power, to pour out his gifts. And I believe that as, as, as you kind of put yourself in the way of that, you surrender yourself to him, then you will see the church set alight and you will see this city come alive. I believe it. The encouragement here, I think, in this passage is just to wait and see. Wait and see. Shall I pray quickly? And then I think we're going to have communion. Lord, we thank you for the encouragement um, that we don't have to pretend we have it together. We thank you for the encouragement of the disciples that there were significant areas of lack that they would have felt but we thank you that your Holy Spirit comes and empowers your people. And so we ask Holy Spirit now that you would fill us, that you would help us um, to be honest about who we are, surrender our lives to you and be open to being used by you and our families and our schools and this church and this city for your sake. Amen.